0: Welcome to Input Output, Episode 4, Take 2. We attempted this last week, and my terrible internet connection made it impossible. Uh, This is a Multiversity Podcast Network production. I am Brian, with me is Vince, and tonight we're going to be talking about Kanye West's The Life of Pablo. But first, Vince, (laughs) let's talk a a minute or two about... Our, uh, our experience with digital music, we've gotten into this a little bit in the past, but what's sort of your first introduction to listening to music on a computer?
1: (laughs) I grew up for the most part with dial-up internet, like until I was, until like late into high school, but nonetheless, like MP3 downloads and things like Napster were becoming popular when I was in junior high, maybe, um... And so, like, my first memories were that um, songs took, like, 15 minutes to 30 minutes to download. Like, one song Right. To, to, took that long to download. So, it stands to reason that an entire album would take, like, six hours or whatever, you know? Yep. It, potentially. So, so, what I remember was... And, oh, and the other thing was, if you'd get a phone call during a download... Good luck, because you'd probably get kicked off of the the line, you know?
0: So you would strategically time them for, like, the middle of the night?
1: Well, what I would do is I would set, like, an album or two up before I went to bed. And then, chances are, no one's going to call in the middle of the night. And, you know, you'd wake up and you'd see how many of them actually downloaded (laughs) over the course of the night, you know? Some of them would inevitably fail, you know? It was such a crapshoot back then. And, um junior year of high school my my dad got satellite internet which had a great download uh download uh, bandwidth i had only
0: heard of satellite internet like in the last six months oh really yeah i didn't
1: know it was a thing (laughs) well see we lived on a farm so like we were so far off of the highway or like the main street of the town we lived in that in order for um time warner whoever it was to put in cable this is very fascinating for our listeners. <laughs> yes, it is. But uh in order for them to put cable in to get us like cable internet or DSL or whatever it was, they wanted to charge us like a thousand dollars per so many yards that they had, you know, like mm-hmm. and we live and we lived three quarters of a mile off of the main main stretch. So they want and they wanted all of that paid for by us. And it's like, well then you don't get our business, I guess. Right. So instead, we had a giant satellite, and it was huge, like big-ass satellite dish um, in our backyard. And then you'd pull in uh, satellite internet for that. And incredible download speeds. The upload was bad. Um, so, like, gaming wasn't really an option. But to download something, it was probably just as fast as the high-speed internet that I still have today. Like okay, a, wow. A song now took, like, 30 seconds to download. You know, as opposed to thirty minutes. Yeah. So, um, so then it became really easy, and of course, I was in high school, so like, yes, I was like using Napster, Kazaa, or, or BearShare, or whatever. You know, LimeWire. Um,
0: Audio Galaxy was a big one on my college see, campus.
1: Oh, see that I didn't. I, I don't know. That must have been a East Coast thing.
0: I was in Pittsburgh. I wasn't that much on the East Coast at that point. <laughs> well, but, but yeah, no, yeah. That, that was a. I feel like Audio Galaxy was so. Let me just back up for a second. When I I first got Napster when I was in high school uh, on my parents' twenty eight eight internet uh, dial up internet, or f- maybe it was fifty six k at that point, and uh, you know same thing. I would queue up songs before bedtime and hope nobody called. And you know it was a crapshoot. A lot of times you'd get things that were completely mislabeled. You know, um,
1: oh, oh, let's yeah, let's get into that when you're done telling yeah, your little. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I have a very specific example of that. <laughs> but, but so uh, the, the first song I remember downloading was I, I, I was a huge fan of the Foo Fighters at that point, and I had heard of all of these B sides for import singles that were out there, and I remember downloading some of those B sides. These are B sides. I was really using it at that point for things that could not be purchased. So, so even as a young pirate, I was still somewhat, uh, so <laughs> somewhat sympathetic to the plight of the artist. Even you had
1: be- some sort of honor code.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but then I got to college, and the honor code went out the window because <laughs> we were on this incredibly fast T three internet. And uh, like one night, I downloaded the entire catalog of the Pixies in like three minutes. (laughs) You know, I just queued up all five albums and boop, it was done. And, uh, Actually, I still had a code of ethics where I would – I still go back and I buy things that I like. The, back then when I would download something illegally, if I liked it, I would go and buy it. Um, but I, I amassed an incredibly large collection of MP3s and there were networks like, you know, uh, there was a guy on my floor who had his own server and had, uh, you know, probably 300 gigs worth of music on it. And it was just the Wild West of grabbing anything <laughs> that sounded remotely interesting and giving it a shot. And I actually think that – I think there's probably a whole episode on us talking about early, early days of file sharing and how that changed uh, our listening habits. But let, that's a topic for another time. Let's talk about mislabeled songs. Yeah. Uh, what's the one that comes to mind for you?
1: Well, the <laughs> – the one that... It's not my favorite, but the one that immediately comes to mind is the Legend of Zelda theme by System of a Down.
0: Oh, I don't know Which what is.
1: that is. Oh, God. It, and it's not even close to... Like... <laughs> that... That's like the classic.
0: I know what both of those things are. I've never heard those words put together before.
1: Yeah, and if you listen to it, you, you immediately know that it's not... You know, it's very clearly not System of a Down. Yeah. Hot Town! But like, I don't know. Like like that was how it gained popularity or something. I I don't know. See, what what is your example?
0: The example I always give is uh, there. So and this is so relevant to, to to the two of us because we've had a conversation about this artist very recently. Um, we you know, I'm a big Weird Al fan, and <laughs> and one night I went online and just searched for Weird Al songs because I thought there had to be songs that were like Japanese bonus tracks. Was things I wouldn't necessarily know. Uh-huh. And, and and there was one that he that was so wildly attributed to him, he had to like publicly come out and say, "This is not me."
1: Uh-huh. And that was a
0: song called "Vagina." <laughs> Do you know this song?
1: Yes, I know, dude. I know the whole like fake Weird Al digital <laughs> like digital download file sharing thing, dude. Like weenie in a bottle, yep. you know, you know, weenie <laughs> in a bottle. <laughs> yeah, because Weird Al would totally write a song about getting your, your dick stuck in a in a glass <laughs> bottle or whatever it was, you know? Um uh oh
2: No wanted to be with me, had to make my dream come true. I wanted to have something, I didn't know what to do. It seemed like a good idea, and no one else was around. I stuck my weenie in a bottle, and now I
3: can't get
2: it out.
1: There are some that are attributed to, to Al that are, like, ra- like straight-up racist. Oh, you,
0: yeah, yeah. Have
1: you noticed that?
0: I feel like a lot of them are morning shock jocks in Bumblefuck, Idaho or something <laughs> that do these crappy song parodies that are incredibly <laughs> racist or sexist or homophobic. And just to get people to download them, they would be uploaded as Weird Al songs.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. But tell, tell us about Vagina.
0: Uh, it, it's this, like, faux West Country and Western song and I'll probably drop in a clip here if I can if I can be shamed into downloading it again as a thirty three year old <laughs> man. But we'll see. It's just it and it's it doesn't sound at all like Weird Al. It doesn't. It's but it's a song parody, and I guess people are just dumb enough to uh, to call any song parody, you know, a Weird Al song. Some of them are hairy. Some
2: of them are bald. Some are kind of scary And this is what they're called The John
0: Um, but I will weird, say... Weird Al is
1: his own genre.
0: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty much the only credible song parody guy out there
1: mm-hmm.
0: and has been for 30 years, so yeah. you know, that, that says something. But the um, what I was going to say is I feel like one of my earliest dalliances with downloading things were those like band you know slash like doing a weird video game or TV show theme that was never actually them. So, I, so while I don't know System of a Down doing... Uh, legend of zelda i do know many other bands doing the theme songs to video games um, <laughs> there's this band that i every six months or so i'll spend an hour on the internet trying to find out information about they were called eagle slayer okay and i, I heard this be my freshman year of college and uh, i'll definitely put a uh this song in the episode and i'll try and find a link to it online and put it in the show notes uh they have this song called the boy with the boy with robotic arms and it's it's, the, it's these two guys just fucking around to the theme to Super Mario Brothers and the theme to Legend of Zelda, and just making up their own words to it. There once
2: was a boy who was very normal in every way, except for the fact that he had robotic arms with claws, 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 claws. claws. He used his robotic arms to do ordinary
3: things. Ordinary. He was extraordinary, and he amazed
2: all of his friends with his robotic claws. The boy with robotic arms, he was happy and good and had fun times. And he would rip off your fingers if you stuck them into his claws. Look out, here comes the boy with the robot arms. He's got an appetite for destruction. Here he comes. He's going to eat your soul.
0: Robot arms. Um, and it's this like it's it's this really weird like thing that could only have been popular. Like I, I bet these guys were like the class clowns of some small high school and made this and it made the it made the rounds in their high school and then just by the nature of the internet in 2001, it wound up like you know I have many friends with the different colleges who all know this song. Oh sure. You know, and uh, it's just it's amazing how that. Sort of like micro fame happened, um, (laughs) you know, for these different people. But um, I I just want to briefly move into iTunes as a discussion piece. Were you ever a guy who bought a lot of albums via iTunes? Uh,
1: Not, not iTunes, but Amazon. Okay. Um, I I still have on an external hard drive somewhere a pretty healthy collection of. Uh, music that I bought on Amazon from, like, 2005 yeah. through 2010 or something, like, when I was in college. So, like, a lot of the really popular indie bands of, of those particular years, like, I just have all their music that I bought on Amazon. Amazon would have these crazy sales, um, like, every month where really, really good albums were available for, like, $2.99. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was always like, it was always only like two or three months after they came out. You know, these were still like pretty recent albums. So, so iTunes was never my thing because, because growing up, I was always a, a Windows guy. Okay. Um, uh, that's changed now, but, um, but yeah, Amazon was, was my route. I,
0: uh, I, 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 I still probably have only bought 25 albums on iTunes maybe, um, but there were some exclusive things, you know. I am a, a gigantic Frank Black fan. There was a Frank Black and the Catholics. Um iTunes exclusive EP. Now that I purchased. Here comes Sonny Jim. See he is raised up from the dead. This all goes just like
2: him, someone said. Always leaving town.
0: Sure
3: down. Down. Now,
1: and
0: for some pastor. reason, I don't know why I bought it, maybe, maybe, maybe my local record store didn't have it, I didn't feel like ordering it, the Magnetic Fields Eye was the first full album I purchased on iTunes, um, but I think by that point I had sort of decided that the Apple DRM stuff was sort of bullshit, and... If I was going like, to... I, so I, I've been an E-Music subscriber since 2003. Uh, so I, I I still got all of my... Oh, not all of my. Many of my albums through E-Music. But they they don't deal with major labels. So if anything is sort of on a major label, I, I usually grab it from Amazon if I grab it at all. Um, and uh, Or, you know, I, I, I still buy a couple of CDs a year. Do you ever?
1: No, I think the last CD I bought was probably... Probably in 2010, the year I graduated college.
0: Okay, so so you're on board with Kanye's never making CDs again.
1: Yeah, I'm fine. I, like as far as I knew, <laughs> like we were done with that. <laughs> <laughs> he he said that today, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> um, this shouldn't be controversial at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'll still buy a CD. Like like uh, just this year, just last couple weeks. I bought the new Jonathan Richmond CD. I'm a big Jonathan Richmond fan, and his stuff takes forever to show up on streaming services if it shows up at all because he always releases stuff on these tiny little weird labels.
2: Whoa, how different we all are. Yeah,
3: yeah we, we are. are. Yeah, we are.
2: Whoa, how different one to the other. Each with our own way, each with our own secret sorrow.
0: I bought his CD because I'm a big fan winden, of his and that's way. pretty much the way to do it is to, is to buy his CD. So there are certain artists I'll still buy CDs for. And I, I'm I'm not a guy who typically buys a lot of vinyl. I have some vinyl, but I don't have a turntable set up in my house currently because having it with a three-year-old seems like a nightmare. Um, and so I, I think where some folks buy vinyl I – mean, I have my favorite all-time records on vinyl because I, I I hopefully one day we'll have a turntable set up in my house and we'll have – the ability to play that but for right now if there's an artist that i really do enjoy i try every now and then to buy a cd because i do think they probably get a, a better cut of a cd purchased through their website than they're getting from spotify or apple music or whatever so
1: oh sure yeah definitely which that that is a whole nother thing we could spend an entire show talking about but um uh but yes, that's the same way that I like to support like the artists that I really, really, really like and can't live without, I'm I'm buying vinyl on mm-hmm.
0: them. Anyway, are we ready to talk about the life of Pablo?
1: Uh yeah, sure. I, I'm uh I'm still waiting on the fur that I was promised. Um <laughs> by the ghetto opera. But uh
0: No, he does that is in uh Oh <laughs> uh, I now I don't know which song it's in.
1: But that is hey isn't that like a good way to start this um sort of discussion because not being able to pinpoint which song that's in mm-hmm. kind of goes to show like how all over the place this album can be
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um let's let's just back up one yeah. <laughs> one hair here. Um so obviously The Life of Pablo came out uh, in February, February, uh, the date was a moving target. Was it finally the twenty-first that came out,
1: um, or was it
0: the fourteenth?
1: Gosh, I don't even. <laughs> it depends on it depends on what you define as like the day it came out. Well oh, yeah, yeah. The day that it was like played at
0: Madison Square, Madison Square Garden, Garden
1: was yeah. what the thirteenth.
0: The twelfth. Or- was it yeah okay. it, was, it was it was a friday it was played and then it came out on a sunday like after well, it came out after he was on snl right so it came out like
1: yeah that night
0: like I midnight think. it was probably technically sunday morning on the east coast by the time it was it was out on title right um, and it was released very briefly as a digital download on Kanye west.com for twenty dollars and then was pulled within probably twelve hours of it being up maybe twenty four hours and and uh, as a title exclusive for one week. And then it was changed to being a title exclusive forever. Forever. Yes. Um, and this isn't even getting into all the different track listings that were leaked ahead of time. Leaked by Kanye himself saying, you know, it was going to be 10 songs. And then it was going to be 13 songs. And then it was going back down to 10. And it just, it just, it just jumped all over the place. And the release version that we got... Has uh, depending on how you are counting things, seventeen or eighteen songs on it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, if you count "Father Stretch My Hands" part one and two as two different songs, which is how they're demarcated on the digital download, then yes, it is eighteen tracks uh, yeah. on the album. Um, so let's let's just jump in first of all to an overall opinion. You know, sort of on a on a uh, you know. One through five, five stars being amazing, zero stars being trash, where do you kind of rank the album?
1: <sighs> that's tough um
0: that's why I asked what tough question yeah
1: I know <laughs> um well, I feel like the discussion will explain this, but i'm gonna say a three i wanna s i wanna say three and a half, but i'm gonna say a three.
0: I was going to say three and a half. Okay. That that was where I kind of fall on this as well. Um, I think that as with a lot of Kanye's sort of um, post-engagement breaking up slash post-mother dying releases, there's incredible ambition here. And there's a lot of really interesting stuff here. But I feel like this is probably his most scattered release since then. And the one that has the least amount of, uh, like, you know, a lot of times when I listen to an album that I really enjoy, I'll pick out a song or two to play for friends who might be interested. Say, hey, you know, if you, I don't know if you heard this or not, but check out this song. I don't know if there's one song from this album I can really pull out and say, this is a good representation of what The Life of Pablo sounds like.
1: Oh yeah, I can I can recommend plenty of these songs, but but you're right. There's not really one that explains what the album sounds like. And I kind of want to get into that a little bit more. Let's do it. Okay, so so when when Kanye was like doing his like totally coked up tweeting about this album, yeah. like in the in the days and weeks and months leading up to it. He would describe it in a lot of different ways.
0: A gospel album with lots of cursing.
1: Yes, but it, yeah, and that's what I was gonna like. He described it in all these different ways, but the the one that he kept coming back to, and the one that you felt like it was going to like the one idea that you felt like it was truly gonna represent, just based on how often he said it, was that it was going to be some like a gospel esque album or have a lot of gospel. Um, overtones to it, you mm-hmm. know. And I the more I listen to it, the more I can see that in like the first three songs.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: I mean, I mean, like if you listen to Ultralight Beam and then Father Stretch My Hands part 1 and 2, mm-hmm. you can definitely get that out of it. But yeah. then then you get famous and you get feedback and you get highlights and that like, that is classic, like, arrogant Kanye has almost nothing to do with anything that could be described as gospel music. You know? Let's,
0: let's just back up one second sure. yes. I don't disagree with you. But, like, one of the first lines on Father Touch My Hands I,
1: yes, I know. I, is, Now
0: if I fuck this
4: model, and she just bleached her asshole, and I get bleach on my t-shirt, I'm going feel like an asshole. <laughs> that, that's on the gospel section
0: of the record. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, is, e- even, even within these like broad strokes, that's a fucking weird pairing.
1: Yes, for sure. But but for Kanye, I feel like that makes perfect sense.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. Like if uh, you're,
1: I'll,
0: if, I'll also if, say like the beginning of Famous, there's like a church organ sound. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'm blanking on the name of the song right now. But there's one song that's basically just a, like a gospel singer. Female gospel oh, singer. Is that Low Lights?
1: That's Low Lights, yeah. You want me to give you a testimony about
4: my life and how good he's been to me? I don't know what to tell you about him. I love him so much with all my heart and my soul, with every bone in my body. I love him so much because he's done so much for me. Every moment.
3: Get through the day, you know, so, so there's always...
0: that. You're right, other than those little strips, there's really not a ton of gospel sound on this album, or like a gospel feel of you know, right? Of, I'm not necessarily saying it's gonna be a religious record, but a feeling of praise and happiness. Yeah,
1: they really
0: yeah, get that.
4: yeah,
1: like ult- Ultra Light Beam is obviously that. Yes, I'm trying to keep my
4: faith. We on an ultra light beam, we on an ultra light beam. This is a god dream. This is a God dream. This is everything. This is everything. Deliver us serenity. Deliver us peace. Deliver us love. We know we need
1: it. And then, yeah, I think there are a couple moments, like maybe two or three more moments on this album that feel like that. And they're all up front. Like they're like all in the first I don't know, eight eight songs somewhere, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Out of eighteen. And uh and that's okay. Like I you know, Connie can do whatever he wants at this point, but again, I think it speaks to the fact that like he clearly has an idea of what like what he's going towards or what he's aiming for. And then there's all this other stuff that he can't help, but throw in there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And some of it is really good. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, like, like famous and feedback. Those are two songs that I really like. Um, but they don't have much to do with a gospel sound or anything, you know? So I feel like he's maybe not the strongest salesman, but you know, his stuff speaks. He certainly tries. (laughs) Oh Lord. Does he try? (laughs) Yeah. Um, but his stuff speaks for itself. Like I'm always going to listen to a Kanye album because I think the production's incredible, you know. Yeah. Um and of course, <laughs> I should also say that uh as an atheist <laughs> and somebody who um you know, Kanye West music is probably not for me in the first place, you know.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, first of all, you're part of the white media. <laughs> Yeah, so that's, exactly. That's that's a problem.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. And and I'm only saying that partially tongue in cheek because there is truth to that. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but you know, like, there's a lot about it that I don't understand and maybe shouldn't under. I'm not in position to understand. You know. Right. But I still like it. I still like Kanye as an artist. A few of his albums are some of my favorite of all time. Um,
0: I don't know if I'll so- go that far, but I I do appreciate him quite a bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say 808s and Heartbreaks, um, or 808s and Heartbreak, uh, the the auto-tune album, Mm -hmm. you know? That is probably one of my favorite albums, period, of all time. It's my favorite Kanye album. Um, Because, like, first of all, (laughs) this is getting off track, but it came at, like, the perfect time in my life, and then, like, I understood that, like, Kanye was doing something that at the time, he wasn't necessarily good at yet, you know? Like, right. Like, he made a shift there, and it highlighted one of his weaknesses, which is his singing voice. hmm And he didn't give a fuck, you know? Yeah. And I found that incredibly endearing. you never find nobody better than me.
4: talking talking talk baby let's just knock it off they don't know what we've been through they don't know about me and you so i got something new
1: to see and you just gonna keep hating me and we just um but anyway that's that's all i'm saying is like he can call this a gospel album if, if he wants and like who am i to say it's not you know yeah but i think it's just it it is such a disparate album that you can't call it any one thing and in some ways that's a good thing but in other ways there's it makes for like a fatty album i think you know
0: yeah the uh to me like the 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 worst thing to ever happen to double albums was the white album (laughs) because the white album made it seem like everybody could do it because mm-hmm. the white album is there's no again you can't pick one song from the white album and be like this is what this Beatles album sounds like because it has like the cheesy music hall of Honey Pie, <laughs> the proto heavy metal of uh, Helter Skelter and like musical concrete song expor- I mean uh, sound explorations like Revolution Number no. Nine on the same album on the same side of the album you know like on the same disc rather on disc two of that album you know so it's um. Everyone thinks they can do it, but I think that most artists benefit from a, a more streamlined vision. And I, I just listened to this album, and I, I, there's like four different albums in here. He could have gone in four different directions, and he chose to go in all of them. And again, I'm not the artist. I, I, I appreciate that he does what he wants to do, and I don't want him to do anything he doesn't want to do. I'm, I, am, I have a role in this, and my role is as a, as a listener. And his role is to create, and my role is to listen. So this isn't me telling Kanye West how to do his job. But I think I would have enjoyed the album 808s and Heartbreak. That album has a theme, man. And it yeah. has a feel, and it has a mission statement.
1: And that's why that album resonates so much. Yeah, totally. Totally. And and just speaking for myself, all the best albums kind of do that, or all my yes. favorite ones, you know? Yeah. They don't have to 100% stick to a theme or something but there needs to be some sort of flow or some sort of sense. Like, like, okay, let's take, let's do another Beatles album like Mm -hmm. rubber soul. Yep. That's not, there's not an overarching theme to all the songs in rubber soul or even like, or even like half of them, you know, but it's got a very similar sound or product. Like, like it was the Beatles breaking away from their poppier elements into this sort of folk rock sort of thing. You know? To me,
0: yeah, to me it's always sounded like the Beatles embracing both acoustic guitars and Motown at the same time.
1: Sure. I'm
2: looking through you when did you
0: I drive my car has very much like a Motown vibe to it, and uh, you know. But again, you can hear all those songs as a sonic collection. They all sound like they were recorded by the same people in the same place. Mm -hmm. And this also, you know, disclaimer here: we're old fucks. Like we are the last generation to give a shit about an album. (laughs) That that concept does not make sense to people younger than we than 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 us. Um, I would even be interested to see like. Like my my brother is thirty, so he's a little bit older than you, and I know he agrees with us to a certain degree, but even he is not a guy to buy an album. He'll buy a song here or there that he likes, but he's not an album guy. I wonder what the cutoff is for people who really care about albums. Yeah. Twenty five? <laughs> Twenty one? I don't even know. But so, you know, part of this is is just we are part of a paradigm that has shifted away. Yes. And that's okay. Um before we we get too much into the weirdness of this album, what are like two or three of the songs that really stand out to you as highlights?
1: Um, ah, highlights. Uh-huh. That's 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 probably not one that I would pick. But um, but uh, anyway, uh, so famous. Even though I hate the line about Taylor Swift. Yeah. Which everybody has probably they probably are already aware of this misogynist line yep. about. Taylor Swift owing him sex, you know. Yep. Um that's another thing I want to talk about sometime here, but uh but I really like the sound. I like Rihanna's um I like Rihanna's uh, recurring uh, chorus or whatever.
4: Oh, myself, sad niggas that know me best. I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. Why? I made that bitch famous. God damn. I made that bitch famous.
2: from the very start, I don't blame you much for wanting to be free. Wake up, Mr. West. I just Lisa. wanted
4: you to know. I be Puerto Rican day parade floating.
1: That Benz Marina del Rey coasting. And she, she be uh, I love the end with, like, the bop, bop, beat up. You know, like, yeah. the I love that. I love this. It's just such a slick sound. Like, like if I... You know, it reminds me of Touch the Sky, uh earlier Kanye. Like that this yeah. is the one song on the album that I can say like this sounds like the Kanye that you knew and loved back then. You know,
4: now you look at me like damn dog, you what I am a hip-hop legend. I think I died in an accident, cause this must be heaven. I gotta testify. Come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day I die, i am a to touch the sky gotta testify come up in the spot look at extra fly yeah. for the day i die i am let's take
0: them and he gets it all done in three minutes and 15 seconds
1: yeah there's yeah, a that's... lot
0: there it's, it's a dense song
1: yes yeah so that's that's one of the highlights for me um i i like ultralight beam a lot which is the opener yeah but i especially like it for chance the rapper's verse
0: it's the best um, verse in the song. Oh my God! Maybe the best verse on the album.
1: On the album, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's so good. It's he he just he he goes all these different directions with it and and changes up his delivery, and basically every line is like <laughs> he he says something in 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 his verse about like how his next album is gonna be so good that there's not a line on it that you can't tweet or something like that. Yeah. yeah.
5: Foot on the devil's neck till the drift at Pangea I'm moving all my family from Chatham to Zambia Treat the demons just like Pam I mean I fuck with your friends but damn Gina I've been this way since Arthur was Ant Eater Now they wanna hit me with the Wu after Bam Trying to snap photos of family uh. My daughter look just like Sia, you can't see her You can feel the lyrics, the spirit coming in braille Tell me of the underground, come and follow the trail I made Sunday candy, I'm never going to hell I met Kanye West, I'm never going to fail He said let's do a good-ass job with Chance 3 I hear you gotta sell it to snatch the Grammy Let's make it so free and the bar so hard That it ain't one gosh darn part you can't tweet This is my part, nobody else speak This is my part, nobody else speak This little light of mine glory be to god yeah i'm gonna make sure that they go where they can't go if they don't want to ride i'm gonna still give them raincoats know what god said when he made the first rainbow just know to they said they in i fucking lane for the intro uh, i'm just having fun
1: with it you know that a nigga was and that's lost. how i feel about his verse, verse on song, that like, them them song period like every single line in that is, is really good like there's not a week that's just such a that's that's such a good um good feature um, absolutely yeah and then, uh, and then I like Real Friends
0: okay. a lot. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I actually like Thirty Hours a lot. Thirty actually, Hours
0: is my favorite song on the album.
1: I was gonna say that, like, it's between that and Famous for me. But there are times when I think Thirty Hours is my favorite song.
0: But okay, so I want to talk about Thirty Hours for a minute here. So sure, I, I think Thirty Hours expresses real emotion.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it it gives us a little bit of an insight into. Who Kanye West is and who he used to be, and that's really interesting to me. I feel like he rarely looks back on his music, unless he's looking back on somebody that's done him wrong. Yeah. Um, but here he's talking about like driving and driving to see somebody and this old relationship, and it feels very human. And the first, like, two and a half or three minutes of that song are my favorite two and a half or three minutes on the album. You say they
4: never saw this coming, well, you're not alone. Million dollar renovations to a happy home. My ex says she gave me the best years of her life. I saw a recent picture of her, I guess she was right. I wake up accessing the damages. Checking media takeout. I'll be drunk walking out with a bitch. But it's blurry enough to get the fake out. I wake up all veggies, no eggs. I hit the gym all chest, no legs. Yeah, then I make myself a smoothie. Yeah, then me and wifey make a movie. Chicago, St. Louis, St. Louis to Chicago. Underlay, underlay, EI, EI. Uh oh, yeah, heavy driving, fire enough to switch the time zone. You was the best of all time at the time though. Yeah, you wasn't mine though. But I still drove 30 hours yeah. uh, I still drove 30 hours to you yeah. I remember
0: rapping for Jane Cam, And then he takes Young a fucking phone call out. in the middle <laughs> of the song. And if it's real, it's bullshit. If it's not real, it's double bullshit. Like <laughs> nobody cares about that. It, it's not it's not charming. It's not it doesn't sound like like you know I'm all for albums that have warts on them that have little bits of humanity that don't match up, but there's like there's nothing about that that is that is good. It's just it drives me crazy. and that <laughs> to me is like the encapsulation of the album. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's this amazing idea, it's going strong, and then there's just like a fucking dumb thing thrown in <laughs> and it really bothers me.
1: yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I can totally totally agree with that um definitely
0: No, i I, uh sorry go ahead
1: i was gonna say like i i actually kind of like the silver surfer intermission just because (laughs) can we can we talk about that for a second you you know what i'm talking about i do yes Yeah. yeah so i just love that like first of all it's only 56 seconds long so it's not like a huge investment of time but you know, this guy's just like rambling, like you know, thank you, Kanye. You know, and then Kanye cuts him off, like with ten, 10 seconds baby. left in we the track. Silver
2: Surfer, Silver Surfer in the flash, <laughs> like
1: he's totally stoned or something, you know. Yep. So I really like that. I found charming because it's harmless, you know, and it's like it's not overindulgent. It's kind of funny. It's actually funny. This is that's something I want to talk about. The reason why I hate the Taylor Swift line is not necessarily because it's misogynist, although although that plays a doesn't, huge...
0: It doesn't help. <laughs> no, it doesn't help.
1: That plays a huge role in, in the reason why I don't like that line. But more than that, it's just not funny. Like, I don't think it's funny, and I don't think it's true, because not that Taylor Swift needs my defense or anything, and that's not I'm not trying the white knight for her here. But I think she was plenty popular before (laughs) he did that, you know?
0: She was accepting an award on MTV when he did that. (laughs) She she wasn't like serving food at a Wendy's and he was like, you know, I'm going to let you finish serving this French fries. But, (laughs) you know, no, she was already a a major star. Right,
1: right. And and also, even though she's moved away from it quite a bit, you know, in that time, she was still very much a country artist Mm -hmm. and she had the country base behind her. And that is a huge like whatever, you know, whatever you want to say about her over her overall popularity at the time. But country music is huge. Like oh, I yeah. may not I may not like much of it, but it's a huge fan base. And so she was hugely well known and popular. Yes. So first of all it's not true. Second of all, I don't think it's like particularly clever or funny. Right. Kanye can be like misogynist in the way that a comedian can be. And he's telling a joke, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he does that on this album a couple of times. And I think it's funny, like, Gold Digger is a song that I think has some very funny lines in it. Right. Even though it's kind of reductive to, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> 18 years,
4: 18 years, she got one of your kids, got you for 18 years. I know somebody paying child support for one of his kids. His baby mama concrete is bigger than his. You will see him on TV, any given Sunday. Win a Super Bowl and drive off in a Hyundai. She was supposed to buy your shorty Tyco with your money. She went to the doctor, got life with your money. She walk around looking like Michael with your Money, shit, I got that insured. go for your money. money. If you ain't no pump, holler, we want
1: freedom.
4: We want freedom. Yeah. It's something that you need know, to have. But don't leave with it. You the
1: key is, is when you're you're clearly trying to be funny and you are funny. And I just think that that line is so flat and so unfunny and just. Ugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't like it very much. Yeah. Um,
0: I actually want to go back and talk about the line I mentioned from Father Stretch My Hands.
1: Sure. But about the... the
0: model and her asshole. The, that, yeah. The... Again, like, I don't know if that...
1: Let's pull that apart a little yeah, bit.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's so much to pull apart from that one, like, couplet there. <laughs> so, uh, there's a great article from The Atlantic, and I will definitely put this in the show notes. Did you read this about how the album is all about fear of monogamy? Yes. Life of Pablo and the Terror of Monogamy is the name of the article, and it's by um, Spencer Kornhaber. Kornhaber? Cornhaber. I don't know. It's a good article. And I feel like this line is a really interesting example of that, where he's... Is the reason he's going to feel like an asshole is because the bleach is like a symbol of his betrayal of his marital vows? If so, that's a deep line. If it's because he sells thirty dollar t shirt or however many dollar t shirts from his bullshit fashion line,
1: sixty dollars
0: six, $6 t shirts, and you know, and and, uh, and that's why he feels like an asshole. Well, then he is an asshole. Like you know, and 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 I feel like I, there's there's an interesting parallel lyrically to talking about a literal asshole and then feeling like an asshole. Like it's it's not a dumb line, but it's it's an inc- again depending how you read it it's either a line that says a lot about him one way or the other. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know how to feel about it.
1: That, yeah, that, well, that's the story for a lot of, uh, a lot of this album, I think. Yes. Um, There's a lot about like having a quote unquote open relationship or um, there's one song where he talks about needing to, wanting to give up, the women before he loses his soul or something like that, you know, Mm -hmm. um, which, which here, here's the reason why those moments don't entirely work for me. And this is not necessarily fair because you or I don't know the real Kanye West, you know, absolutely. Like, even if you want to say that he like wears his heart on his sleeve and all this stuff that he does on social media and like how he's constantly making headlines, like, You could interpret that as as him being real, you know, Mm -hmm. but is it really, you know, we don't know that you and I don't know, you know, you don't, you don't ever know any famous person, you know, so I can only take what he gives us. And when he talks about like wanting to give this life up and like wanting to, like wanting to be a, 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 good dude or whatever, not that he's like a horrible guy, you know, but like, or like only wanting to send out positive vibes, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. one of the things he tweets all the time is like hashtag all positive vibes or something like that mm-hmm. after like immediately after he shits on somebody, you yeah. know, um, part of that is a contradiction that makes Kanye the fascinating and popular person that he is, you know, but another part of me then like thinks, well, so when I hear him say this stuff on this album, that is potentially tinged with like regret or something. I'm not sure I really believe, you know, like it doesn't seem genuine to me. And that's I think what, he's
0: I think he's a really tough guy to track genuineness with.
1: Sure. I think that's okay, you know. I mean Yeah. It's just going to mean that certain things in certain songs are not going to land the same way for you that they might for somebody else, I guess. Right. When you don't when you don't know the real intentions I, yeah, I I don't
0: know. And again, that's okay.
1: That yeah yeah.
0: You know, nobody looks at a painting and wonders if Picasso was an asshole. <laughs> I mean, actually, Jonathan Richmond did in the Modern Lovers. Picasso but that's a whole other story. <laughs>
4: So he could walk down your street. Girls could not resist the stare, and so Pablo Picasso was never
0: called an asshole. You understand what I mean. You know, yes, it's it's yes. um you know it's, it's interesting. I think a conversation that kind of has to be had here is how he brings on some of the best rappers in the world to guest on this album. And in a way, that's a terrible decision for Kanye. <laughs> because I feel like his verse is pale in comparison to the verses by Chance the Rapper or uh, The Weeknd or Kendrick Lamar on No Parties in L.A. Mm-hmm. No, no, More Parties in L.A., rather. Um, no, part, yeah. yeah, you know, it's just these, these guests really, in some ways... Totally outshine him ability wise. Like the math, not add up. you making mad as she <laughs> to find the I spin around and say <laughs> the alphabet back, she with malpractice. Don't kill a good nigga's for this. Just because you you don't know what <I'm> a is. The still good, though. They still good,
4: though. Make a nigga say big words and that lyrical. Make me get spiritual. Make me believe in lyrical.
0: And you know, I, I think he'd be the first to admit he's a producer first, or at least was a producer first. Yeah. Uh And I, I think it's interesting that this doesn't have a Jay Z
1: verse.
0: <laughs> you know, it, it, he really is going to sort of the more up and coming rappers of the world versus the guys that maybe he started out with, the guys that ma- that that made him famous. You know, he he'll say that he made Taylor Swift famous, but there's no doubt that Jay-Z made him famous.
1: Sure, yeah. Um but yeah, and uh that's good. I like that. I mean, like basically anytime you anytime you hear about a new artist um in the hip hop or R&B world, like there's a good chance Kanye's gonna work with him on on his next album. Like he's yeah. incredibly collaborative and I think that that's that is one of his strengths while also being one of his weaknesses, like you like you said. You know, yeah. like like yeah, okay, chance runs circles around him in Ultra Light Beam and Kendrick's verse in uh No More Parties in LA is the best thing about that song, but I don't want those songs without those bits, Absolutely you know. Not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. But the, the, yeah, but he is such a great producer. Like no, no other hip. I mean, so I I listen to a lot of hip hop every year, and and a lot of it doesn't land for me, you know. But I, I try. Mm-hmm. Um. But there's something about Kanye's production that is so immediately magnetic, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. And he is always searching for like new sounds, um, ways ways to get sounds that you don't normally associate with hip hop into hip hop. You know, right. like the song "Feedback," the fifth track, I think. Um, that beat sounds like. To me, it sounded like a crystal castle. Song. I feel at the wrong time. Might not come when you walk, but I'm on time. Hey, I heard
4: about the good news. Y'all sleeping on me, huh? Had a good snooze. Wake up, nigga, wake up. we about to get some paper. I can't let these people pay me. Name one genius that ain't crazy. Follow, I follow you. Borrow, I model. I'm a Chicago Southsider. I'm a Chicago Southsider. Hey, y'all heard about the good news? Y'all sleeping on your boy, had a good snooze. Wake up, nigga, wake up. It's time to get the paper. I've been out of my mind a long time. I've been out of my mind a long time. I know, I know, I shouldn't even bother with all these gossip and no pussy getting bloggers. Fans showing God that yeah. I need another. Yeah, that's one of my favorite songs in the album
0: too. Yeah,
1: yeah, same here. And I just think like it sounds
0: immediate and it sounds uh, just tough. I don't mean tough like uh, it rough. I guess about it. But it doesn't sound overworked.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And um, and just unlike other unlike a beat that you would have ever heard you know Mm
3: -hmm.
1: in most rap music you know and and like i just listen to it and i think like here's a song that's like probably not going to be one of the the most remembered tracks on the album or you know Mm -hmm. it's not going to be one that everyone talks about but it sounds like nothing else and i could you know it's two and a half minutes i could just listen to it over and over again because that beat is like hypnotic absolutely um so so yeah you're you're but
0: what's weird is that like okay, let's talk about feedback for a second here, sure, that's a song that, according to the great source of all information, Wikipedia, um <laughs> has no samples in it it It's a complete creation of the people in the studio mm-hmm. It has three listed producers, and it has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten listed songwriters. <laughs> There there's something very odd to me about how a producer of of Kanye West's stature either doesn't trust himself to produce this album or just thrives on collaboration so much that he brings in all these people.
1: Oh, I think he just loves collaboration. I mean like that's that's one thing that I'm gonna like stand up and say like good on him and like he's totally genuine about. Like he he tweets out or like Instagrams pictures of him in the studio and he's always got like all these other guys in there, and he talks about them as if they're like brothers in arms, you know, to get this album yeah. done. I'm sorry, uh, feedback has one
0: sample. My apologies. I just wanted to fact check oh, myself before I had okay. to go back and insert something into fact check myself later. So. Sure,
1: sure. Um, but you know, I really think he does like he thrives on collaboration, and he loves to see what ideas other people can put into his into his melting pot, you know. Mm-hmm and i mean if it ends up in a good track i don't care how many producers are on it it's it's you know that song is great whether it was just him or ten guys you know
0: there's part of me that likes to think of all great art as being auteur based <laughs> yeah and his work kind of flies in the face of that
1: but he's, he's a wh- he's a damn good curator you yes know? he
0: is yes he is i will not disagree with that in the slightest. Um, he is an excellent collaborator and an excellent curator and an excellent, he has a great eye for talent
3: mm-hmm.
0: as we talked about before. Um, a couple other songs that kind of stuck out to me. I um, said, I really enjoyed feedback and 30 hours. Those are probably my, my two favorite songs on the album. Um, Ultralight beam obviously is I think very moving and very that sets the tone for the album, which I want to talk about in a, in a minute on another note. Uh, I also, you know, no more parties in L.A. You know, was released early, and that's obviously a pretty strong song. Um, where I think the album starts to fall apart for me is after Waves, which is track ten. Mm-hmm. I don't mind F.M.L. or Real Friends or Wolves. It just to me seems like Waves maybe caps off the the part of the album that is thematically joined, even in the slightest way. Sure. And it, that starts to unravel a little bit. And the album just starts to feel very long to me, um, which yep. it is. I mean, it's uh, it's only 59 minutes, which, you know, is not incredibly long for an 18-track album, especially considering two of those 18 tracks are under a minute. And only three of those 18 tracks are over five minutes long. But it still feels very long.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can definitely tell where he started tacking on. Like, <clears throat> you know he said it was going to be 10 songs or 11 or 12 or whatever right you you can feel that like either either after wolves or at wolves um that all that other stuff was just tacked on and and yeah. that includes 30 hours which is a good song on its own but like you can it just it just that is a clean point at that silver surfer intermission where you can say like right okay this is this is where and he told us on Twitter that he did this. He just literally tossed these songs on the end of the album. Right. You know?
0: Now, I have here a a quote-unquote original track listing. And again, there have been so many of these posts. <laughs> I don't know if this is really the original one, but the, I've listened to it. It's actually in that same Atlantic article. They cite this track listing and say, if you listen to this track listing, the album is far more – there's more of a flow and a theme to it. And I think it's totally true, and I'll, I'll post this in the show notes too. But just to run it down, it's it starts with Famous. And then Father stretch my hands one and two waves highlights thirty hours feedback no more parties fade FML real friends wolves ultralight beam, mm. and I think that's really a fascinating listen because to me ultralight beam as the opening track is like a mission statement for the album that the, that the album then inevitably fails. Yeah. Whereas if you put it at the end of the album, it's sort of it's this hopeful. this. It's a hopeful coda, yeah, it's really interesting. And I greatly prefer this other track listing. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I encourage you to whittle it down in your iTunes to make, or, I'm sorry, on title, only on title, <laughs> find a way on title to shift the tracks around, um, to, 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 <laughs> to give you this track listing <laughs> so that you can listen to it in this different way, which really is far better in my opinion
1: yeah i'm I'm already imagining how that would be and i I can see that it you know <laughs> I can just think yeah, that's probably better it just
0: it, it cuts out some of the fluff and you know, do I really dislike the real con i, I mean I love Kanye no, I don't, but do I need that?
4: No. I miss the old Kanye Straight from the gold Kanye Chop up the soul Kanye Set on his goals Kanye I hate the new Kanye The bad mood Kanye The always rude Kanye Spazzing the news Kanye I miss the sweet Kanye Chop up the beats Kanye I gotta say At that time I'd like to meet Kanye See I invented Kanye It wasn't any Kanye's And now I look and look around And there's so many Kanye's I used to love Kanye I used to love Kanye I even had the pink polo I thought I was. Kanye what if Kanye made a song about Kanye Call I miss the old Kanye man that would be so Kanye that's all it was Kanye we still love Kanye and I love you like Kanye loves Kanye
1: <laughs> I, I like that a lot though I think it's I think it's pretty cute it's the one Kanye thing that he's ever done that I would describe as cute
0: yeah I'll agree with that <laughs> <laughs> um you know but again like I don't understand why that couldn't be a throwaway thing on his website as opposed to just the same message from uh <laughs> from uh most deaf aka uh, yassine Day. bay uh, which is still up there right now
1: yeah right yeah. you know I I, I would almost <laughs> maybe I'm going to rearrange the track list and I'm going to throw I love Kanye on at the end as a sort of
0: like a her bonus Majesty's track? a
1: pretty nice girl but she doesn't have a lot I was just going to say, say that you son of <laughs> a bitch <laughs>
2: Nice girl, but she changes from day to day. I want to tell her that I love her a lot, but I gotta get a belly full of wine. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, someday I'm gonna make a mine. Oh, yeah, someday I'm gonna yeah, make a mine. I, I want to tell her that. that
1: I love her a lot, but I gotta get a belly full of wine. Her <laughs> Majesty's a really nice girl, someday I'm gonna make her mine.
0: Oh, yes. Um, yeah, that's uh. That's good, man. (laughs) That's a nice (laughs) poll. But yeah, I think overall, the album is just. It's so. It's the perfect Kanye West album for the first quarter of 2016. Like, it perfectly encapsulates his social media presence right now and public opinion about him on both sides. You know, there, there are those. There's that hideous line in famous we've talked a lot about. And there's also the hopefulness of ultralight beam there's the uh the confessional nature of 30 hours and there's the bravado of you know so many other tracks on this album there's just, you see the sort of the full picture of who Kanye West is and who he could be mm-hmm. and i like that But I still think this feels undercooked. It feels both undercooked and overwrought at the same time. And and that's that's a hard thing to do. Uh, There are parts of the album that feel like they're demos. And there's parts of the album that feels like there was 100 hours of manpower put into it. Yeah. And sometimes those things happen in the same track. And that's really interesting to me also.
1: Yeah, yeah. I kind of like when an artist makes choices that like throw you off, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's just so many of them, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's exactly what you said. Um, um, so to put the way that I feel about this album in sort of a historical context with the rest of Kanye's work. Um, so I already said 808s was my favorite. Mm -hmm. Uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy would be second. Mm hmm. And that album in particular is so... Like, you said some of these songs sound like demos or, like, there's some rough spots. That album is so immaculately produced. Like, every song is just, like, perfectly as intended. You can just tell. (laughs) Like, so polished. So, like stylistically and thematically tight. I'm living in that
4: 21st century doing something mean to it do it better than anybody you ever seen do it screams from the haters got a nice ring to it I guess every superhero need his
1: the like when you you set this album up next to that it pales in comparison right but that, this is, this
0: feels like it was trying to be that again
1: you, oh you think so
0: I think in some ways it is yeah 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 or or maybe this maybe maybe my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is just the like, what this could have been. Maybe that's what I'm... I guess, to say. yeah. Yeah.
1: If, if you'd have stuck more along the lines of this idea of the gospel al- album and then maybe used that original track list, yeah, I could probably see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now, to me, this feels more like Graduation, which is like, I don't I had the special edition of that album, so it was like 21 tracks long or something and uh or was it graduate it was late register sorry it was late registration um that's that long and like that this feels more like that to me where like there's a couple really strong tracks and then there's like four or five that just could have been cut out entirely
0: see to me the difference is and i i, I partially mean this is a compliment to his later stuff i see everything before 808s and heartbreaks is almost a different artist yeah. Like, 808 is when he went totally up his own ass. <laughs> and I, I mean that as a compliment. I mean, like, that's when I think he stops being influenced by other people
1: mm-hmm.
0: and just follows his muse wherever it takes him.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's part of the reason why Watch the Throne is kind of a dis- disappointment is because he can no longer relate to just being Kanye's wingman. And you I mean feel Jay-Z's like... I'm man. sorry, Jay-Z's wingman. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um... And I feel like there's a bit of a of a weird – I think it works in some cases on that I'm a weird push and pull between the two of them because they're just in such different places. And I come down on Team Kanye more than I do on Team J if, if we're talking about picking a side here. sure. Not that I think we really need to. You, <laughs> understand, you understand what I'm saying, though. Like, yes, I do. You know, yeah. Um,
1: You'd rather hear a, Con- a new Kanye album than a Jay-Z album.
0: Any day of the week. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That
1: shit crack. That shit crack. She said, they yeah, can get married at the mile? i said, saying, look, you
4: need for you, bar Come and meet me in the bathroom style. And show me why you deserve to have it all oh, so hot. That she crack Ain't it J? Oh, so what, what she order? Fish filet oh, so Yo whip so, cold. whip so cold This whole thing oh, so like, you ever be around motherfuckers like this again? Who's your girl? Grab her hand. Fuck that bitch, you don't wanna dance. She's my friends, but I'm in France. <laughs> I'm just saying, Prince Williams ain't doing it right if you ask me. Cause I was him, I would've married Kate and Ashley. Was Gucci my nigga? Was Louis my killer? Was drugs my dealer? What's that jacket, Margilla? Doctors say I'm the illest, cause I'm suffering from realness. Got my niggas in Paris, and but, they goin I, I feel like they're going just... gorillas. Huh? I don't even know what that
3: means. Of... No one knows what it means, but it's
0: provocative. Like on those first 3 or 4 records before 808, he he manages to be he's still thinking in terms of a pop audience. And those albums are yeah. produced for people to buy.
1: He plays it straight a lot more. For yes. sure. And there yeah. are there are like skits and things like that.
0: Yes, it, those albums, as good or bad as they may be, are conventional hip hop records.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He hasn't done anything approaching a conventional hip hop record since those albums.
1: Sure, yeah, I'm hugely fond of of that of the early Kanye stuff too, though.
0: Oh, it certainly has a place. It's just it's a very different type of listen.
1: Yeah, and I think uh. th- I think this album is is. For all of its faults, and for the fact that I'm giving it like a three, three, five, you know,
3: mm-hmm.
1: it's immensely listenable. Like the the stuff that's annoying on it, or disparate, or or whatever you want to call it, it's so brief. I mean, it's all it's it's <laughs> on almost every track. There's there's something goofy, you know. Right. But but it's so brief that like everything else is so listenable. Um in a way that i don't like i'm i'm relieved he went in the, back in this direction then like further down the yeezus i was not a fan of Ye- yeezus is the only album i can say that i'm not a fan of
0: there are parts of yeezus i like a lot yeah i'll say that um
4: they gonna come to your King Kong, middle America packed in. Can't see me in my black skin. Bang. Number
0: one question they ask him. Fuck every question you ask him. Bang. If I don't get rid of my Catholics, because of conservative Baptists, claiming I'm overreacting. like the But I feel like he is just a. Uh... He's kind of a moving target, you know? You can't really pin him down, and I like that. Um. Yeah. He also is supposedly writing another album for at least this summer, but we'll see if that's actually going to happen. Or Which not.
1: means next
0: fall. January, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I think we have to talk about title a little bit here.
1: Oh, title the the streaming service.
0: The streaming service, yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Although we can talk about the title of the album too, if we want to. Um, <laughs> no,
1: that's all right. <laughs>
0: uh, title is the exclusive carrier of this album. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is... Uh, unless you were one of those people that bought the album in its first, you know, 12 or 24 hours availability on his website or whatever the case may be. Um, I am not a title subscriber. No. Are you?
1: No, you're you're Spotify, I'm Apple. Yeah. Somehow we remain friends.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and... I don't really have an interest in being a title subscriber. It seems like uh, kind of a joke to me. And it seems like betting on the absolute wrong horse. (laughs) Like, I understand his boy, Jay Z, is the owner of it, and that's a thing. So, whatever. But it seems like this would be like, you know, my new album is in 2009 being like, my new album is Zune exclusive. (laughs) Like, well, that means no one's going to ever hear your album again. And, you know, I, I think Jay Z is smart enough that he's going to sell Title off to a bigger company sooner than later. And there's a great piece done by, uh, I believe his name is Michael Nelson for Stereo Gum about the weirdness of Title. I got to look up this guy now. He's he's really great. I should know him because uh, he's my favorite music writer at the ah. moment. Yeah, Michael Nelson. Uh, he does great. Like he did a great article about the Rihanna album and the weirdness about that. He did a whole album, a whole article about Title, and Jay Z is supposedly looking to sell Title to a few different places. One of them being Google, and one of them being Spotify, actually. <laughs> um, so I don't think that this album is going to become a lost album in the sense that the format it was released on is going obsolete and it will never be reissued or anything. You know, Kanye West has made a number of claims that he's almost instantly back, walked back from. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get a vinyl release of this or something in a, in six months. That wouldn't surprise me that much. But um, do you think there's any benefit to anybody of this being title exclusive?
1: Um, only in the most like music snobbery sense. You know, like... Like, if you're a huge music snob audio file to where you want the lossless audio that the premium title subscription subscribes, I suppose you could, <laughs> you know, turn your nose up at everybody else and there's value in that.
0: But if that's the case, then wouldn't you want to buy the CD, which is going to be better quality than that anyway? Uh, which he's not making, obviously. Not if but there's
1: if... Not if there's never any more CDs, Brian. Wake up, Mr. Salvatore.
0: <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. Um, the uh, but to me, even offering like a lossless digital download makes more sense. Because even if title is lossless audio, it's still transmitted over internet and therefore if you are on bad internet it's not gonna sound as good. Sure. You know, so it's to me that argument doesn't even hold that much water. It's just it seems like a very odd decision to me. Um I'm kind of tipping my hat for what we're going to talk about in a minute, but when I was thinking about what album to pair this with, I was thinking a lot about the release strategy. And I was one of my initial thoughts was to pair it with U2's Songs of, Exper- Songs of Innocence.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you didn't.
0: <laughs> well, I, I did mention that I might be trolling you this week, and that was going to be my troll pick. <laughs> but because that album was U2 saying, everyone deserves to hear this album, and we're going to give it to everybody the life of Pablo is Kanye saying no one deserves to hear this up unless you're a title <laughs> subscriber and I can't think of two of two more diametrically opposed opinions that are both incredibly egotistical like those, yeah. those, those are two sides of the same I'm more important I think I'm more important than I really am coin like you know just completely both heads up their asses for totally different reasons
1: <laughs> yeah um
0: but yeah, I, I didn't choose that album, so breathe a sigh of relief, there, buddy. Ah. Uh, is there anything else you want to get into with this? We've been talking about this for quite some time now.
1: Yeah. No, I think we, um, I think we did good.
0: <laughs> Maybe.
1: Maybe.
0: <laughs> I'm not willing to commit to that just yet. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I, I've been texting you incessantly the last two weeks, saying I have no fucking clue what I'm going to pick to to pair with this album. <laughs> And uh here are just some of the albums I thought about choosing. Uh U2's Songs of Innocence, Guns N' Roses Chinese Democracy, oh, Paul McCartney's McCartney, Marvin Gaye's Here, my dear, Weezer's Pinkerton, Tim Casher's Wait, wait, the... wait.
1: wait. Why Pinkerton?
0: I'll get into that in a second. Okay. Uh Tim Casher is the game of monogamy. Um and I rejected all of them. Chinese Democracy was my choice because it's a completely overworked album that should have been released in a similar form.
1: Wait, that's what we're actually
0: listening to? No, it's oh, not. Okay.
5: Um, <laughs> you like to think in some way that it's me and not
3: you. True. You like to have me and be good, but I don't want to do
0: Songs of Innocence I, I I mentioned why I was going to uh, to go with that one uh, The Game of Monogamy was inspired by that Atlantic article and just the sort of the fear of, of monogamy which is I think a very real part of the album and one we didn't talk about but what can we really say about that Kanye likes to fuck
3: <laughs> No
2: more painted eyes You can't hide from me I know you're still in pain won't take that away they never did so wash that mask off your face and tell me honestly that
0: I that was going to pick McCartney because it's the first album Paul McCartney recorded after getting married and this is the first Kanye album that he got married <laughs> Here My Dear by Marvin Gaye was a divorce album, and I think it's just an interesting parallel to the marriage anger album and the divorce anger album put together.
4: Anger can make you all.
2: yes it can, I say anger, anger will make you sit sicker, anger destroy your soul.
4: And then, there's no room rage in here.
0: And then Pinkerton to me is actually um, to Pinkerton to, to me is, is the sound of a band, of, of a of a person of Rivers Cuomo who gets everything he wants and still isn't happy. Mm. And to me, that's the theme of the life of Pablo that most resonates with me. Mm. That's why I was going to go with that one. But I think if we both listen to that album so much, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I don't know if there's much new th- we can we can bring to it. Um, so I decided instead to go with an album. My third straight pick of albums coming up before I was born, uh, which, which is not going to be a thing. I, I really thought it was going to be a lot of me picking 90s albums. <laughs> and uh, they've all been from the 70s, except for the first one uh, so far. Uh, and I guess Peter Gabriel came out in nineteen eighty, which depending on how you count, who gives a shit. Uh the <laughs> album is Pussycats by Harry Nelson. Um <laughs> are you familiar at all with Harry Nelson?
1: Yeah, I'm 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 uh yes, with him. I, I can't say I've ever listened to one of his albums all the way through. So Okay. Um a
0: little bit of context here. Uh John Lennon produces the album and is on the cover with Nelson. Uh, they were drinking buddies in L.A. When, when when Lennon left Yoko Ono and lived in L.A. for 18 months, they call that his lost weekend. Uh, and basically, it was a time of drinking and cocaine and women and general debauchery. And uh-huh. the album is called Pussycats because it's it's saying to the press, like, oh, you have us all wrong. We're just pussycats, uh, which is kind of funny. And the album is... There are so many... It, to my eyes, there are so many parallels with the life of Pablo um, that I can't wait to talk about <laughs> next time we chat. Um, but I think you're going to like the album. But this this is, I think, the most. This is the one I wouldn't be surprised if you really disliked.
1: So far. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, so, Harry Nelson's to this. Pussycats yeah.
0: 1974.
1: That is my pick for this week. Wonderful, cocaine, you say? Oh yeah, yeah. No chance that uh, that Kanye was doing any cocaine when he was making or promoting this album.
0: Well, this album <laughs> has uh, on the cover there's a rug surrounded by the letters D and S to make uh-huh. drugs. <laughs> 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 so, and there's drugs under the table. Uh, that's literally what's on the album cover. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> this album is is full of there's a lot of really interesting stuff there's also some great great songs on this album so I'm looking forward to hearing what you think of it right. and you guys will hear what both of us think of it in just a minute
1: nice job yeah that was
0: And just like that, we're back with a discussion of Pussycats by Harry Nelson from 1974, produced by John Lennon. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on this album, but I am familiar with the album where I, I was before this week. Vince, you were not, so... Let's start with this. What are your initial reactions to Pussycats?
1: Well, let's back up because it turns out I was familiar with it. However, I was familiar with it because the Walkmen. Oh, you have their version of it. I don't have it, but I've listened to it. Okay. Well,
2: I've had my share of bad times. I've been shooting them up, drinking them down, taking their pills, fooling around all my life. So tired of bad times I have to change my
5: and
1: yes so like I looked at that track list again and I was like, this seems really familiar and sure enough so so I was familiar with the album just not at all uh, Harry Nelson's version, but the original version. So anyway, I'm sorry. Your question was, (laughs) what what were your initial thoughts? How how did you, how did you like it? Um, well, I think it was a good choice for, um, pairing with the life of Pablo, Mm -hmm. because I feel very similar (laughs) about this album compared to that album. Um, I think it's kind of a mess. Yep. Um, I think, I think for the most part, I, I understand this collection of songs, especially knowing that, you know, there might've been some drug use (laughs) in the studio, you know, but at the same time, there's like two or three choices where it's like, I don't really understand what you were doing here, you know? And, uh, and, and I would say the same thing about Kanye's album. So
3: Yeah, um, there,
0: there, there's one particular bit of this that to me is very indicative of the Kanye album, which is that there are parts of it that sound overly polished and overly worked that rub up right next against like the rawest, least polished stuff in the world. And I mm-hmm. think that that juxtaposition can be very satisfying sometimes. And I think both of these albums have moments on it where that that does work. And then there are moments where it doesn't work at all. Um, Both of these albums, I think are the result of, uh, as you, as you alluded to some, some drugs, perhaps some cocaine in in particular. (laughs) I think both of them are people feeling at the height of their powers, but are actually maybe a little bit um, on the way toward, you know, the, the curve is dipping down a little bit, but they haven't realized it yet. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also, they're both very indicative of the type of albums that were possible at that time. And we'll get into sort of all of this in a little bit. But um, I think it's important to point out that one, two, three, four, five of the ten original songs on this are cover, of the of the songs on the original ten track album are covers.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and they're covers, I think, more or less, except for Loop to Loop, which I was not aware of they're all songs that I knew very well. Uh, these are yeah. not obscure covers. Um, Do you have any thoughts on any of the covers before we dive into the original tracks? Um.
1: Well, I really liked his take on a Subterranean Homesick Blues. Yes. Um, by Bob Dylan. I think it's the that, best version of that song, actually. I think so, too. Oh, man, I was just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I love Bob Dylan. I mean, like, he's one of my favorite musical artists, bar none. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're not as big a fan of him.
0: No, I'm a huge Dylan um, fan.
1: Are you? Okay. Yeah, I've seen
0: him live twice.
1: <laughs> oh, well, all right, great. I was in
0: the front row of a concert, a Bob Dylan concert, in 2000.
1: Oh, okay. I was confused because you once said you weren't gonna be sad when he died. So
0: I was. I'm not gonna be as sad when Dylan dies as a, a George Martin bummed me out more today than yeah. Dylan probably will.
1: I'm just kidding. Um but uh but that particular song I've never been a huge fan of. Um Dylan's version or any other version I've heard because I've heard several I mean that song has been covered. Yeah. Many times, you know. But I actually liked this one quite a bit and and I think it's not only is it one of the best songs on the album just because it's such a a sick take on that song, but it's it is for my money The best version of, of that
0: It has that song. great Driving beat to it It just It gives it some urgency And uh, Dylan sounds at times Like he doesn't even know yeah, What yeah, words yeah, coming yeah, next In his own for song for
3: Cheaters
2: Six time users Hanging around the theaters Girl by the whirlpools Looking for a new fool Don't follow leaders Or watch a parking meter Short pants, romance, learn to dance, get dressed, get blessed Try to be success, please her, please him Buy gifts, don't steal, don't live. Twenty years of schooling and they put you on the day shift Look out, kid, they keep it all hit Better jump down a manhole, like yourself a candle Don't wear sandals, try to forge the scandal Don't wanna be a bum, you better chew gum The pump don't work, cause the vandals took the handle
0: And Nilsson takes it from a much more i think confident place,
1: yeah, oh man <laughs> there's there's some weird synergy between us right now because i confident was the word that I was gonna use for that too, um that's really weird, but that's what i felt- yeah i was I was listening to it, and I'm just like, like he took this this very strange song, you know, this very stream of consciousness type song, and like he he makes it sound like there's some sort of propulsion behind it, you know. Yeah. Even when there might not be, it might just be a bunch of nonsense, stream of conscious thoughts thrown together, you know. Right. Um. Yeah. So so that that's a highlight. Uh, "Don't Forget Me" is my favorite song on this thing.
0: It's a, such a great song.
1: It's such a great song and so heartbreaking. Um, and I, I I'll say I didn't cry.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: listening to it. But I'm thinking, if I can think back, Nico Case's version was probably how I heard it first. Yeah. And that probably made me cry at one time or another. <laughs> okay. um, because I'm a huge Nico Case fan, too. Um,
3: In the summer, by
2: the side.
1: Yeah, oh man. Uh the the thing about that song and him singing it is not not only is it just like heartbreak <clears throat> heartbreaking but um it's it very much fits his vocal style.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: There's this like there's this like longing and like wavering in his voice, you know. Um I don't know how how old was Harry Nelson at the time that he recorded he- this album uh
0: Probably in his mid 30s. Yeah. So, but, but, but you got to realize he was one of the hardest drinking dudes in the world at
1: that point. I, I was just going to say, it feels like he lit, like, like this song is the product of a life. He lived. was 33. <laughs> okay. 33. 33 going on 63. Yeah. Might as well then because, like, maybe that's a testament to his talent because, like, he makes you feel like he's much more old and weathered and you know than he really was. Well, part
0: of that was that when they were recording this album, he blew out one of his vocal cords. Oh, okay. And he refused to tell Lennon about it because he didn't want to fuck up the recording of the album. And so throughout the album his voice gets worse and worse until he lost his voice per- totally and some say it was permanently damaged after that. Oh, wow. So um, you know, just the hard partying did not necessarily uh sit well with with his vocals but it does I mean it sounds if he sung it in his perfect everybody's talking voice uh-huh. it wouldn't sound the same as no. having the grit in the voice that he has here
2: everybody's talking at me I don't hear words they're saying only the echoes of my mind People stop and stare I can't see the faces Only the shadows of
1: their eyes No, although that song. I love that song, Oh, too. it's a great song, too. So yeah. smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I, re- <laughs> I really like Loop De Loop, too. Um, Sounds like I, a party. It really does, yeah. Oddly enough, like it doesn't really fit with anything else on here. But I would argue that none of the songs maybe... None of the songs sound like one another, you know? Yeah. I really, I think it's fun. I really liked that song and I didn't expect to, because you kind of prompted me for that song um, in the last or earlier in the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. And then I, I would just say that the one thing I don't like about the album is uh rock around the clock
3: mm-hmm.
1: because I just think like, <laughs> so sometimes when I think, and I know the Beatles used to do this in their earlier years, but like, when you write a song as like personal and good as "Don't Forget Me," you know earlier on the album, I just, I just don't understand ending the album with a weird cover of "Rock Around the Clock." Again, this song that's probably been covered a million times. Right. And I don't know, like I don't find it as charm. I know Lennon was really into like, like even late into his career, he was covering those like fifties. Right. Buddy Holly-esque tunes, you know? Yeah,
0: he was really with the early rock and roll stuff.
2: When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon
1: Yeah, yeah, so I'm sure that there was some influence there, and I'm sure uh, Nilsson was a fan of that type of music too, but here I just thought it felt out of place.
0: It's interesting because I feel like that's a classic song in the way that Save the Last Dance for me is a classic song. Uh But I feel like, especially on the alternate version of Save the Last Dance for me on the record, you hear Nilsson really put a lot of himself into it, whereas Uh this just sounds like he's sitting in with a bar band singing Rock Around the Clock.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, if he did that at a show, I'd be happy to to listen. But on this album, it just doesn't... Yeah, at least Save the Last Dance for me, which... Again, it's not my favorite song in the world either, but uh, at least that feels like it makes sense on this album. There's a longing to that.
2: You can dance every dance with the guy Who gave you the eye Let him hold you tight can smile, every smile, for the man who held your hand neath the pale moonlight. But don't forget who's dead
1: Yeah. Yes, rock around the clock know. just sounds tossed off to me, and I think no matter, I think every version of it sounds tossed off. Yeah. <laughs> the Happy Days <laughs> theme song.
0: I will not sit here and let you besmirch the good name of Happy Days. One
1: two three yeah. o'clock, um, four o'clock rock. Five six seven o'clock, eight o'clock rock. Nine ten eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock rock. We're
3: gonna rock around the clock tonight. Put that rags I
0: think there's a there's an interesting conversation to be had about the the comparison between the uh the covers on the album and the original songs. So, like Many Rivers to Cross would not have been that old of a song at this point. Uh Subterranean Homesick Blues would have been like 6 or 8 years old. Um Save the Last Hands for me and Rock on the Clock would have been, you know, probably fifteen or twenty years old at this point. But it's a really odd collection of covers, isn't it? Or is that just is that just me? Like it's an odd assemblage. It's it's not like it's all songs from his childhood or all songs from you know uh, the recent past. It's it's an odd mix of cover songs.
1: I completely agree. And usually there's a, you know, there's usually there is some thematic through line when an artist chooses to cover songs for a for a album proper Mm -hmm. you know
0: yeah like he has an album called Nilsson sings newman where he sings randy newman songs
1: oh that that would be great i I gotta check that out
0: it is well worth checking out it's really good and it's before randy newman was really capital r capital n randy newman you know it's (laughs) um so it's songs that Uh i wasn't necessarily familiar with like he's not singing short people let's put it that way or I Love L.A. I'll be home
2: I'll be home oh, yes, I'll be home Feeling In the morning, yeah. Wherever you may wander And wherever Come back and I'll be waiting.
0: So they're odd choices, but I think that especially Rock Around the Clock sounds like a party. And uh, are you familiar with this this, um, recent record and band called The Hollywood Vampires?
1: Yeah, um, slightly.
0: So Alice Cooper and Joe Perry and Johnny Depp... Did this album called The Hollywood Vampires Which was a tribute in Winaway To Alice Cooper's Drinking buddies from the mid-70s Who were John Lennon, Harry Nilsson Keith Moon, and Ringo Starr
1: Oh wow The oh.
3: fortune and the fame The screaming That but it just ain't the sun I'm raising my glass and
2: tossing it back But I can't remember why So let's have another for all of my brothers Who drank until they died My dead drunk
0: friends In some ways, I think Rock on the Clock sounds a lot like what those guys might have been doing after coming home from the bar at 2 in the morning and just picking up instruments and just, you know, fucking around. So I, I, that song, I guess I kind of understand the inclusion of. Hey guys, Brian here. I meant to mention this during the show. Uh, Rock on the Clock is of note because it has three drummers on it. The legendary Jim Keltner, the legendary Ringo Starr, and the legendary Keith Moon. Um, that's all. Back to the show. More than the other ones, like many rivers to cross, is a reggae song that is not uh-huh. presented in any reggae way here. It's very um, schmaltzy and you know well, overproduced.
4: And this love.
0: rubs up against this raw, incredible, subterranean homesick blues. You know, it's, just a, it's a really, really weird collection of songs. Um, but I, I think that with the exception of one, which we'll get to in a second, I think Nilsson's original songs in this are really, really strong.
1: Yeah, yes. Yeah, I would agree.
0: Uh, Don't Forget Me is obviously the, the centerpiece here. Um, and Don't Forget Me has this... You know, Nilsson's a funny guy. And... There are some lines in that song that are pretty funny You know, I'll miss you when I'm lonely I'll miss the alimony too Like That's, that's a pretty <laughs> funny line But mm-hmm. then it's, and when we're older and full of cancer It doesn't matter now, come on, get happy oh. it, That's, you know
1: I thought about my own mortality when I heard that Exactly it, Oh god Yeah And like, I'm 28 so, yeah. <laughs> I, so I hopefully have, you know 60 years to go or something
0: Of um, of sadness, but also laughing at it a little bit, you know. And uh, I I really love that song. Um, The others, yeah, I I think that the other one to me that really stands out is "Old Forgotten Soldier." Mm -hmm. Some of the lyrics in that, I I think, Milton's a great lyricist.
2: I'm an old forgotten campaign hero, left with
0: hearing about this person who kind of wants to uh who who doesn't doesn't have a place in the world anymore. It's a really sad song, but it's not presented ma- in a maudlin way. Yeah. It's just very matter-of-fact and uh yeah, I I really enjoy this song as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I like I like Black Sales too.
0: If Black Sales gets real weird, that's actually the one to me that is uh that doesn't maybe hold up as well. Oh really? Yeah. Have you like spent any time with the lyrics themselves on that?
1: Um, not, I guess not really. Okay,
0: see I I I love the melody to that song. I think it sounds really good. But then you realize it's like all a big uh I'm pretty sure it's a song about Conallingus. Oh. I like
1: it even more.
0: <laughs> a treasure map is hidden on your legs. Your veins are very close. Someday I'll wrap my big yardrums around your legs and sail away. <sighs> I'll bury my heart in some island. Sure. And then the, the last part of it says, you're so veiny, you probably think this map belongs to you. So it's a Charlie Simon goof. you <laughs>
1: This to
0: you. I... That is funny. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It is funny. But it's it's a little it's a little bit uh it's a little much for my uh, for my sensitive Catholic taste, I guess. But you know I, I um, like it, I like it. <laughs> No, it, it's not it's not bad. It's just that's actually my least favorite lyrically of the other ones. Um although <laughs> Mucho Mungo slash Mount Elga isn't necessarily a lyrical dream although I, I do like that song quite a bit I think it's a very nice sort of um, it sounds like a song from someone out at like to Mount Elga A high mountain
2: a climb as I'm dreaming Catching me hell To climb this hill The more I try to climb I'm Slipping still Me body run down
1: is that also about cunnilingus
0: not as far as i know okay but you know it totally could be
1: yeah in in a way aren't all songs about that
0: (laughs) there's actually um are you familiar with the the artist who goes by the name of one line drawing no. Jonah Martrega he was in a band called Far in the 90s and he has a he has one really really great solo album and there's a song on there that I I didn't realize until I saw him live was about Cunnilingus and only least I, I do he said this next part's about her Cunnilingus hips, <laughs> her hips are like seashells
3: and I can hear
2: the ocean when I listen her hips her hips are like seashells and I can hear the ocean when I listen. You
0: are so... Her hips, listening to hips are like What about seashell. it do you think... Because, you know, obviously I, I picked it because I thought it tracked well with with The Life of Pablo. But what about it to you makes it a good pairing?
1: Well, I think it's... it's um, the sound is just so all over the place. You know, I think that's chiefly... Um, that's the cheap thing about it that makes me think it's a good pairing. Like, you can have something like "Don't Forget Me" and then, you know, a weird song about mm, Conolingus, I guess. It's, you yeah. know, and <laughs> like, and also, uh, I don't know if I said this during our Kanye review, but I I, I meant to. Uh, the Life of Pablo is the best album that Kanye's penis has ever written. Um, and if you're thinking about a if if you're thinking about a song about cunnilingus you know that that would probably fit perfectly thematically on the life of pablo too yes absolutely
0: absolutely
3: um
0: yeah i i also think you know um this album much like the life of pablo has sort of the you know, five or six of the now voices in hip-hop on it, you know, Chance and uh, The Weeknd and stuff. I think that some of the session players on this are very much like the guys who were session players in the mid-70s. Yeah, Jesse Ed Davis, Jim Horn, Jim Keltner, Sneaky Pete Kleinau, and uh, Ringo, Klaus Vorman on bass. Like, a lot of these guys sort of showed up on, on, like, dozens of albums in the 70s, all out of L.A., and so I think that wow, the life of Pablo is a really good indicator of sort of where hip hop was in the first quarter of 2016. I think this is a really good indicator of where sort of L.A. rock was in the first quarter of uh, or the you know uh, the first half of 1974.
1: Mm, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, uh, there's a, a guy like Jesse Ed Davis, I became aware of him because I'm, and we've talked about this in the past, so we're both gigantic Beatle fans, mm-hmm. um, but I went through like a, a six-month period where I listened to the concert from Bangladesh just about every day, and Jesse Ed Davis was one of the guitar players on the concert from Bangladesh. played with everybody in the universe a hundred times. And uh Sneaky Pete Sneaky Pete Kleinow is probably the most famous pedal steel player of his generation. Mm. And played on everything. Um so those names, you know, just jumped out at me as somebody who likes to sort of dig into liner notes a lot. And
1: uh Yeah, see that you go you go much deeper on that stuff than I do. Um mm-hmm. really the only the only thing that occurred to me as far as uh, the session players was that uh, so many of them were members of the Plastic Ono band, which makes perfect sense that, right. you know, John Lennon's involvement Cookie
2: Gonna see the light. Oh, and when you're warm, really warm, will you get things done like they've never been done? So, hold on.
1: But I like how deep you're going with that. That's. I, I feel like I've learned something well, there you today. Go.
3: <laughs>
0: the more you know, Dot
1: um gif gif, jif wow um, we might have to this might be our final episode yeah (laughs) i don't know if we can continue on
0: yeah with such a huge gulf between our opinions i don't know how we're going to be able to uh to traverse it um the other thing i did want to say about this album in general was um I'm a big fan of Nilsson's in in just overall. I think he's he's one of the more underrated voices of the late 60s, early 70s. But part of the reason he's underrated is because his work is so inconsistent. Um, there's probably only one Nilsson album, the wonderfully titled Nilsson Schmilson, <laughs> um, <laughs> that is like a consistent front to back, really great album
2: bought the cooking her, bought, her, cookin her. bought it for the di sister hide another one she paid it for the lime. she put the lime in the cooking now she drank and pulled up she put the lime in the cooking now she drank and pulled up she put the lime in the cooking now she drank and pulled up she put the lime in the cooking now she called a doctor woke him up and said doctor. ain't there nothing I can take her said donna
0: Everything else he's done, more or less, has these, moment, has these moments of brilliance that that tend to just, you know, um, confound you. As you hear these songs, you think, "This is this is beautiful. This is great." And then there's a, you know, just a bunch of really, really weird choices that don't necessarily make any sense. Um, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. He scored the Robert Altman Popeye film. Yeah. You know, and I actually just recently downloaded a um an album of his demos for those songs. Mm. And they're quite good. Because on the on the actual soundtrack, Robin Williams as Popeye sings all the songs. <laughs> or Shelley Duvall as Olive Oil sings the songs.
4: That, so it's interesting
0: yeah. to hear him do them, you know, not, not like that.
4: Oh, I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm
3: strong to the finish because I eat my spinach. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man.
2: Well, I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man strong the the
0: but um, I also think that he has some of the best album titles ever uh, Nilsson Schmilson son of Schmilson a little I'm touch sure. of a little touch of Schmilson in the night <laughs> uh, you know.
1: <laughs> A.K.A. Black Sales.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and then he, you know, uh, the other thing is, have you ever seen the animated film The Point? No. When I was a kid, I loved this movie. It's this animated film from the 70s that um, the reason I was made aware of it is I was this, you know, we've talked about being big Beatles fans. But I, I don't know if you understand, like, when I was a kid, I was, like, freakishly obsessed with the Beatles, Okay. and one ver- the point, one of the versions of it was um, narrated by Ringo Starr and that like my dad knew I would like it and rented it from the video store knowing that I would like it because Ringo was the voice of it <sighs> but Nilsson co-wrote the story and wrote all the music for it and there's some really beautiful stuff on that album too and it's a really fun kind of kids movie
2: and then in- the morning when I wake up, she may be gone, I don't know, and if we make up just to break up, I'll carry on, oh yes I will.
0: Yeah, I like Nelson a lot in case you can't tell. Um, but but he's, he's, he's a very kind of polarizing figure because also then, after John Lennon was killed, he sort of retired from music for a while. He was really, really shaken up by Lennon's death. Mm. And, uh, you know, his own career had not been going all that well for some time at that point. And he had gotten sick because he just took such poor care of himself. And, uh, you know, really didn't do anything after, you know, the, um, the Popeye soundtrack in 1981 is his, the last recording released during his lifetime, the last full record. He didn't die until 94, 95, I guess. And, but the the last like 15 or 16 years of his life, he did not release any music,
3: um,
0: You know, I mean, that's not true. He would release songs every now and then on tribute albums and on compilations and things. But, you know, he didn't, uh, he didn't release any full length albums for the rest part of his life. And he died of a heart attack in, uh,
3: 1994.
0: Hmm. Yeah, but definitely a, uh. A really worthwhile guide to kind of dig into that. That Nilsson sings a Newman album is great, and then uh, there's a song that I'll I'm, I'm probably gonna use it as our play out, even though it's not from this album. It's actually from Son of Schmilson, <laughs> but it's one of my favorite songs in the history of the world, and it's called "You're Breaking My Heart." Hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll hear that in just a minute. But anything else to add before we wrap up this conversation? No, I don't think so. So, what are we going to be listening to next
1: time, Vince? We are going to listen to Esperanza Spaulding's "Emily's Devolution." I know nothing or, about this or "Devolution." I don't I, or "D plus Evolution" as it's as it's literally written. I know you know nothing, you know, about, you know, this. You know nothing about it. No. Oh, oh! This is going to be fantastic. I'm I'm excited to hear. I don't want to know. I'll think about what you think about it until next week.
0: I you have you have intrigued me, Vincent.
1: <laughs> that that is a that's an album that uh, just came out on the fourth of March. So I'll okay. check it out.
0: Okay, uh, if you want to check us out on Twitter, where would they do that for you?
1: Uh, at VJ underscore O S T R O W S K I, and I'm apparently baffling. Brian Salvatore with my picks.
0: This is a good thing. And I am at Brian Needs a Nap, as always, giving you Mets hot takes and uh, retweeting things I find funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so thanks for listening and uh, see you soon.
2: You're breaking my heart.